welcome to one of our special episodes. I'm here with Eve. Hi. And with Ben. Hi there. And this year we again played a lot of indie games and we want to tell you guys about it. You guys told me what games you want to talk about, but I completely forgot it again. So I'm really curious. So last time, what did you guys look forward to 2022? Which game have you actually played? I was very excited about Darkest Dungeon 2. And to make it hurt, I didn't play it at all. It's on my bucket list for next year. So maybe I can report next year about it. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> so you're waiting for the Steam release because I think actually right now it's only available on Epic. Yeah. <laughs> you're waiting to give your money to Valve rather than to Epic. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I much prefer Valve there, so better. <laughs> yeah, they need the money more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, so uh, you already got something to look forward to in 2023. That's good. I'll go next. I was looking forward to Midnight Fight Express and I actually also played it. So I tried it, I played it, but it really did not connect with me. And I partially blame myself because, as I mentioned in our last recap, I think I was expecting too much of Hotline Miami. It's a nice game, but I was expecting something else. And therefore, to be bluntly honest, I did not even finish it. Yeah, I have to say Midnight Fight Express, I also tried it from your library and, I don't know, didn't motivate me to go on. Yep, oh, it happens. I'm the only one who, well, for one, played the game. <laughs> I was looking forward to and actually liked it and liked it really much. Um, last time I talked about Stray a little bit, you know, this cat adventure, which really um, had an amazing start. And well, it felt like so many people are talking about it and loving it. And it is a really cute game and really atmospheric. And I won't say as much now because it's in my top three list. Yeah, nice. So we covered all the bases. One time not played, played and didn't like it, and played and liked it. Perfect. This year we also prepared the top three. And in the tradition that we already had for this long, so annually, like last year. Ben, if you want to start with your top top three. Number three on my top list this year is uh, Hellslave. It's from the developer Ars Goetia. They are from France. And it's a RPG dungeon crawler. Story-wise, it has a funny start because humankind has lost war against hell. They, <laughs> they're ruled by various demon lords. You want to overthrow these demon lords and to have enough might to challenge them, you will do a pact with one of these demon lords. Nice idea. What could possibly go wrong? Then you start on a 2D map and you can go on this into various dungeons and you go from point of interest to point of interest, fighting monsters if they are there or you're looting chests, Diablo-esque of white items, blue items, legendary items. While looting and battling, you get XP. And then you have an RPG-like system with the XP, you get levels, you get stronger by choosing different talents, differentiate your character, and you battle your way through these demon lords till you fight and hopefully win against the last one. What then happens, you have to play it by yourself. This little spoiler I don't give you. I liked it because the combat itself, when you encounter enemies, you have a timeline and if you do some action, it costs you five or seven or something time units. And if an enemy is on the way on this timeline, he acts. And if there's none, you act. So it's not action pace uh, game, but it's rather more relaxed. You have all the time to optimize your strategy. But if you do some action, 
depends on the action when your turn is next or if another enemy is uh, next, depending on how time-consuming your action is. And what exactly did you like about this game? So you like turn-based combat, I guess, right? Yeah, in general, yeah. I'm a, I'm a sucker for <laughs> turn-based combat. <laughs> it was an, a nice combat system. It, it got me with the looting and the skill tree. Most of the talents you could choose, you could feel in, in your playstyle. So not you get 1% of crit or 0.04 dot something to something and uh, you need dozens of uh, skill points to even see a difference. And I really liked the art style. The art style of the enemies, design of it was really cool, was very creative. Is it comparable to any game I might have played? So like Darkest Dungeon or something like this? I wouldn't say... I played something which you can really compare it from the art style. Take Darkest Dungeon, I feel it's a bit more scribbly, so not so strict lines, more a bit if you scribble a bit with your pen on a paper or so. Mm-hmm. I would say so. I'm not an art critic, so. <laughs> <laughs> In general, I had more like uh, Diablo 1 atmosphere, Diablo 2 loot spiral feeling in a turn-based combat style. So you're a Diablo fan anyways. That's probably why you like this game as well. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell about the hours I spent on Diablo 1, 2, and 3. <laughs> I think that's even more what I spent on Elden Ring. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Eve, what's your the top three of three games? <laughs> My games actually are not in any particular order, so it's not like I liked one better than the other. It's just we had to start somewhere. And the game I'm going to start with is called Retro Gadgets. It's like a workbench simulator you can use to build your own electronic gadgets in a style that I really like. So it's more like pixel art. I like the game particularly because it's not only a game that's creative, so you can design your gadgets, you can build it by putting together various PCBs and connect them, put a processor on it and solder, airbrush, etc. But uh, the game also has a level where you can actually program the CPU and use real programming language to make your gadget work. I found this really amazing because I also like to tinker and to program and to build stuff. Um, I tried it out and also actually got in contact with the developers of the game. It's developed by a studio called Evil Licorice. It's a combination of two studios. The one studio is called Evil Studio and the other, <laughs> other is called Licorice. It's three guys and they are from Italy and one of them is from Iceland. Uh, it was also quite cool because when I got in contact with the developers we also did an episode about it, so episode 25 if you want to learn more about it. I talked to Marco, Marco and Luca. They're really cool guys and also the game is amazingly fun. You learn something, it's really interesting to play and to tinker around and I still did not get around to build a gadget where we can play the podcast episode. This is something I have on my bucket list for 2023. So in theory I could also build a small radio in Retro Gadgets, put our podcast on it and then upload it to the workshop and other guys and girls who are playing the game can download the gadget, press play and listen to the podcast inside of the game. It's already amazing to see what gadgets have been uploaded. So there's one gadget where one developer uploaded uh, early version of Celeste that you can play inside of Retro Gadgets. I think it can be a real nice tool also to learn programming and to make it more fun. That's so amazing. Like um, I had to watch you play because I couldn't really grasp what you could do with this game. I think they also have some tutorials, right? 
uh, where they explain some gadgets uh, to you, how you can build them? The building part is not that hard. You slap together some PCBs, you can shape basically how your gadget is going to look and you have different components that you can stick together to build the gadget. So to make it look nice visually, that's not a big topic. The next level of, of building comes when you program the CPU. So then you really go into importing assets into your gadget. You can also edit sprites that you need to make some characters on a screen if your gadget has a screen or import sounds code or insert code into the game to make something move. Then when you imported the code and made the thing work, you have a functioning gadget that you can upload and some other players can download it and play it. I was listening to your podcast episode and when we were talking about this special episode today, I knew you would talk about this game again because it, it combines so much things which you love. <laughs> you, you do it yourself guy, the technical crafting, the programming, the styling and the, the art crafting and so on. It all combines the stuff you really <laughs> do all the time. This is really like like they developed it exactly for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> When I saw the first trailer, I was thinking, yeah, finally, someone made a game for me. <laughs> and I have homework for you in the game. Yeah. <laughs> okay, what? As you play it on Steam, you can create a Steam Deck on it, where you can, on the Steam Deck, play retro gadgets, and then you have an infinite loop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right on it. <laughs> <laughs> When I was trying out to put the podcast episode onto a gadget, I tried a few tutorials. Luca, one of the programmers, did. He uploaded a bunch of tutorials onto YouTube. And I was happy that I, in the end, I was able to program my gadget, which had exactly two buttons, a play and a pause button. And I pressed the play button and it made beep. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> No, it's a really, really cool game for people who want to learn programming. It's really motivating not only to look the whole day into a text editor, but also to build some small nifty gadget and to make it do stuff. And the nice thing is also when you build it inside of the game, you can, like a widget that you have in Windows, uh, you can basically place it on your desktop as well and uh, use it there. And as I understood from, from the developers, they plan to expand it into different ways. So one thing you can already do that blew my mind a little bit is you can you have a chip that you can use to access your webcam. So when you check out the tutorials that Luca built, in one tutorial he builds a small gadget that acts like a webcam. So at first you see him from the real webcam in the stream, and then he switches over to the gadget that he built, where the screen basically is in the gadget. And you see the webcam feed going directly into the gadget, showing the screen of Luca. Real cool stuff. And they will keep adding components. So it's really connected to physical components. In example, at the time that I played it, you had three CPU sizes or audio chip sizes. I was wondering, okay, why do you have three if they do all the same? And uh, when you think about it a little more, it makes complete sense because the larger the chip is, an example for audio, the more channels the chip can process. The small chip, it can only process eight channels of sound, which is similar to something that you hear in the old Nintendo. And the larger the chip gets, the more sound channels. Analog to this, but also for the CPU and for other components that you have. I'm really looking forward to how they will expand it in 2023. And it's something that I'm definitely going Going to tinker around a little more. I'm really looking forward uh, to our podcast being in the game. That would be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's something I have on my bucket list. Yeah, so Sarah, what's your three? Mine is Vampire Survivors. I saw you guys playing it and I watched because you were so excited and uh, amazed by it. And for me, it was like, okay, I see 
a hero, like a guy just standing in the middle and lots of monsters just around trying to get to you. And I think I always watched you guys when you were already level 60 or something. And you were just standing there and did nothing. And all the monsters are like just dying around you and the hero attacks by itself. So you're not pressing anything. And I was like, okay, that doesn't really look fun. <laughs> so why are you guys playing this? It took me a while and then um, I was like, okay, I just, I have to try this because everybody's talking about Vampire Survivor, so I want to see what's up with this game. It's from Ponkel, I think that's how you pronounce them, um, from United Kingdom. I started playing like a few weeks ago only and I have to say it's really, really fun, yeah. <laughs> so the thing is, you pick a hero, you choose a stage. I think in the beginning you can only choose one stage. And bam, you're already in the middle of it. Monsters just keep coming and your hero is always attacking automatically. There's no tutorial as far as I could see. Like, I didn't see anything. No pop-ups or stuff like that. So at first you have to just discover what you were actually supposed to do or what the goal is. And uh, if you told me a little bit in the beginning, so, oh yeah, when you've killed this monster and he drops this diamond or whatever it is, or this crystal, you have to pick it up so you can level up. And I was like, ah, oh, okay. So, and monsters just keep on coming. So um, there's sometimes just this bubble all around you. And um, sometimes you can't even see the map because there's so many monsters. In the beginning, you can level up pretty fast and you get like all these different skills. And you can also level up your um, initial attack. So it gets stronger, but you can also choose different skills. And in the beginning, you're like, okay, I don't know what this thing does. I just try it. So you start off with a whip and you can make that stronger and you just whip in front of you. If there are monsters behind you, you can't hit them. So you always got to turn around. So that's pretty difficult in the beginning. But you can also choose to have a knife or some lasers, <laughs> some magic, a fire, <laughs> and all these different attacks. So that's pretty cool. There's a wide variety and you get the hang of it after a while and it is actually quite difficult. So my first impression that you only stand there and do nothing was just wrong. Um, I mean, if you are level 60 or 80, at some, then of course you are quite strong and there are times where you can just stand there and just enjoy <laughs> your strength. <laughs> <laughs> the, the all the monsters just can't reach you, which is pretty cool. But to get there, that's actually pretty difficult because you got to choose, okay, do I walk or how do I walk? Do I walk in between and try to find my way through the monsters or do I try to hide somewhere? And your goal is actually to unlock the next map. And at first I didn't quite understand how that's supposed to work. Do I need to find an item on this map or do I yeah, reach a specific level or choose different specific skills or un unlock the next step? So that's something you have to find out. I don't want to spoil too much for people who haven't played it yet. If you last your run, you can just check if you gathered enough money and you can make yourself stronger for the next one. And you can also buy different heroes, which also have different abilities. I like this game because you can easily just jump in and jump out, you know, <laughs> like after work. If you don't have so much time to play Elden Ring 330 hours as <laughs> any other game, um, then uh, this is quite nice. Uh, just, okay, I've got 20 minutes, so I try a run and maybe another one if I lose too early. It's quite good. One of those one more run games. Yes. Either it goes completely bad and then, okay, one more run. Or you do a run that is extremely good and then you say, okay, ah, one more run. Okay, <laughs> let's try it. Let's go. You always want to get stronger and reach this level 80 where, yeah, you're just unbeatable <laughs> at some point. 
you have a nice escalation ramp up afterwards you're nearly out of control and you hope uh, everything is dying just before they reach you because they're everywhere <laughs> vampire survivors if you haven't tried it try it it recently released a dlc also and it's also on mobile uh, now yeah on mobile it's free to play i'm actually not sure if the dlc already released on mobile but i'm sure it will definitely try this one out after you've played retro gadgets <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, second round. Then you want to start again? The second game I want to talk about is called The Last Spell. Mm -hmm. I heard from that. From the developer Ishtar Games. They are also from France, so I have more like a theme here. <laughs> <laughs> Lala. <laughs> it reminds me of what if the Cold War went wrong in a fantasy world. We have the biggest spell of all. Biggest boom. Always a good idea to have a magical nuke ready all other mages developed something else and yeah hell let loose everyone used these magical nukes but when all the dust settled from all these magic nukes the last surviving mages they have a plan they were responsible for the problem and now they're trying to solve what they cost and their plan is one last spell and the spell will banish all magic from the whole world You have to protect more or less city center where one mages and is, is casting his part of the last spell. You have to defend him from ongoing waves every night of enemies. Again, I'm a sucker for tactical combat. It's a round-based tactical combat <laughs> and a grid system. You have heroes, you can slap various items on it. Every weapon has a different style, how to play it, how you can move with it. You get swarmed from every side. You have to defeat them before they can reach your city center and kill your mage. Otherwise, it's game over? Yes. Okay. Well, it's, you know, it's a roguelike game. You can try it again and again and again. <laughs> <laughs> and you have some meta progression. So you earn some currency you can spend between runs or even between nights. So on the day, you can spend this currency to get general updates. So you get stronger and stronger and stronger the more waves you defeat. But yeah, the waves also get stronger and stronger. <laughs> so but actually, last spell is not the last spell. <laughs> <laughs> no, you have different mages, all, all of them participating in one last spell. Okay, so I see. Everyone has to finish his part. And if just one fails, the whole spell fails. Okay, so you have to start all over again then. It's reserved for the DLC that is called the very last spell. Yeah. <laughs> the very, very, very. No, really, seriously, this is not the very, very last. <laughs> the return of the last spell. <laughs> Resurrection. It's one of those games, since it's still in early access, I will wait until it's done and then <laughs> play it. <laughs> it reminds me of Final Fantasy Tactics, an example, also from the art style. And I also like these tactical approaches for the game and I also like the demo that I played but when they say okay it's feature complete there's no more stuff like balancing or what added to it then I'll be over it. Yeah this seems like a game there can always be a bit more balancing and so on because players will find this cheaty way to do something or this and so on and it will be easy to implement new enemies or new weapons or new skill trees or so so they can tweak it to infinity and beyond if they want to but you're right right now they often do bigger changes where they reset your game. So you have to start from all over again. And I already did it two or three times. I had to start from the beginning, doing the tutorial again and so on, because they did a big update. I think it will come out of early access. Early 2023, I think, was the last time I checked where they had the roadmap. 
Yeah, I also like if games um, come out of early access. I like supporting them and just look into them and give some seed feedback. But really dive into this game, I also prefer to wait. Yeah, I think it's personal preference, especially for strategic games. So when you really have to invest a lot of time for one run, then it's more frustrating, of course, at least for me. If you see, okay, ah, oh, this this is unfair or something like this. If it's an arcade game, like Vampire Survivors, an example, was also when we talked about it, was also for a long time in early access. But there it did not matter because it just felt that they were adding features. And even if you did not have this weapon, you could finish it. But in this more tactical games where you have to really rely on good roles so that you are lucky with the traits that your character gets or the waves that of enemies that approach. If this one is not properly balanced, it's really frustrating or can become frustrating. I went into the alpha when I, when I bought it uh, with the same intention. Yeah, but I tested and uh, if it's not feeling perfectly finished, uh, balanced or so, or something else, I can just skip it till it's uh, a finished game. But it worked me so hard, I have a few dozens of hours into it. <laughs> so if you're a second best game. It's called Domekeeper from Bippin Bits in Germany. Basically, as Ben just told with Last Spell, you have uh, a phase where you have to defend and you have a phase where you have to mine for resources, gather upgrades, etc. And Domekeeper is also down this alley minus the strategic part because it's all in real time. You land on a strange alien planet or basically on the planet you're the alien if you land there. But uh, you land on this planet with your dome and you start drilling for resources and for artifacts that you can take from the planet. And the inhabitants of the planet, they have something against you being there. So every now and then, some of those monsters come to your dome and want to destroy it. So the dome itself is like a Käseglocke. <laughs> it's a glass dome. These monsters come knocking on your door and want to get you off their planet and start banging on the dome. And when they come, you switch from the resource gathering to a more defensive mode where you have to fend off these monsters with your dome. To do this, uh, you use the resources that you have mined in between attacks to upgrade either your dome. So you can do offensive upgrades like increasing the attack rate or the attack power of your dome. You can spend it on defensive traits for your dome, like reinforcing the glass, giving your dome more energy or some more defensive capabilities that I'm not going to spoil. Or you can use the resources to upgrade your so-called keeper. That's the little guy that you control. You can either upgrade the mining speed, so how fast you can dig the hole under the dome to get to the resources and to the relics that you want to mine. You can spend it on the speed that your little keeper is moving back and forth because you have to go through these tunnels that you have dug uh, back to the dome when you are attacked and the faster you can do this the better you can defend an example or you can spend it on mining speed so how fast do you dig a hole every resource that you mine there are three of them you have to physically grab and drag them back to your dome and the more resources you have on your belt the slower you fly and if you are too greedy and you pick up too many resources, you will either move like a snail, so really, really, really slow, or you will simply stop until you release some resources. There are also some gadgets that you can find in the tunnels, like teleporters and other various gadgets that you can also upgrade. And what I really liked about the game, it's also, again, like roguelike. It's also one of these one more round games, so the rounds are not that long, and the exploration is quite nice, and the mix between attack and defending is nice. And you have different strategies that you can use. So either you go more defensive route or you go more on the offensive where you upgrade your dome 
first. So there are a lot of strategies you can try. The overarching goal is to find a large uh, relic, return it to your dome, and then your run is done. Or if you are not lucky enough, the monsters will destroy your dome and uh, run is also finished. Recently, René, the developer, added a second keeper, which plays completely different from the first one, which also brings nice variety to the game and it's constantly upgraded and they still have a lot of things on their roadmap. If this sounds interesting, you haven't tried it, I can also recommend to try it. Listen to our episode where we talk to René a little more detail. It was episode 24, I think. So this is also a really fun little game. Also simple gameplay-wise uh, and easy to understand, easy to grasp and just pick up and go. And also really well balanced and really polished. Doesn't feel unfair. And the atmosphere is really nice. René is developing the game with his wife. She's doing all of the art style. They also have some help with the music and everything blends together so well. A lot of updates coming out. And if you play it, listen to the music, look at the art style and play the game. It just fits. I just enjoy another game. It's just a relaxing resource grinding session too. So I see me all the time dying because I'm too chilled in the mines, mining resources and getting overrun by, by the enemies. <laughs> that was also my problem because you've got these strings and you just pull all these resources you find. And as you said, like when you have too much resources um, you want to pull, then you're slower. But I just didn't want to let go. <laughs> I need them. <laughs> but at some point you just have to and run back to your dorm and defend it though. Yeah, that's something the game will teach you real quick. After a while you get used to it, you know what you can do. There are also some, uh, the one or the other trick you can do to get some more resources back to your dome and some gadgets that you can find that assist you. But in general, the pacing of the game is not as stressful as I would have thought in the first couple of runs when you get used to some things and also try to tame the greed. No! <laughs> Sarah, what's your second? My second best game is are already a bit old. It came out 2014. It's called The Talos Principle. And I just got around it recently and played the main story all the way through. It's still an indie game, but the developers aren't indie anymore, I would say. It's Crow Team from Croatia, and they're the creators of Serious Sam, which was also pretty successful. And I also think Talos Principle was also quite a success. And the funny thing is, because now that it's older, they've got all these different DLCs and special features in it. So normally, I think uh, the Talos Principle, you've got like this godlike um, guy who always talks to you in uh, various philosophical ways. But you can also change the voice and have Serious Sam talk to you. And that's pretty amazing. <laughs> so he's like, ah... I don't care what you do, just, yeah, I think that's some religious stuff or <laughs> that statue must be important, but you can look at it or just go. <laughs> I don't know. It's just really awesome. I really enjoyed this. But actually, it's supposed to be quite mystical. So you are this robot and you are, you are not sure where you are. You're just in this region with all these different rooms and you gotta solve puzzles. So it's a puzzle game. And you just have to find out what's going on. And from time to time, there are also some computers where you can log in and talk to a person, you think. Maybe it's also an AI, you're not sure. And you just reveal the story that way. You also find some notes and sometimes you're also in a chat room and find out what the people talk there. So, yeah, I know it's older. Many people have already played it, I think. But if you haven't, I don't want to spoil too much. The scope of this game, like before I was thinking, okay, it's maybe only this region with a few puzzle rooms and stuff like that. But 
A few minutes later, you realize, okay, this is actually quite the gigantic map. Because you've got like three main regions. And in each region, you've got like eight doors, like these teleportation stations, which teleport you to another region. So three main areas, eight regions. And in each of these regions, you've got like, I would say, three to six puzzle rooms. So quite a lot to do. If you finish all of these, you may proceed to the bad ending, I would say. But you can also continue and work your way up a tower. There are also quite a few puzzles there. And if you reach the top of the tower, you then get the uh, good ending or the one you're supposed to have. There's also the special ending, which I didn't do because this is just crazy. There are even more puzzle rooms. And these puzzles you gotta solve are, for me, so difficult and so abstract, also in some way creative, but I just, they're completely out of order because the game tells you how to proceed and how to solve these puzzles. But for the special ending, you've got to think out of the box and really look around all these regions you're in and just think if... I don't know, the tree looks different or, I don't know, they're like stones on the floor and maybe they just form an arrow to show you the way to some other place. I don't know. I didn't get it. I watched a few YouTubers and just checked if I am really missing out something and also checked the special ending, which is honestly not that special at all. So that's actually quite disappointing. So I really do those if you're a puzzle freak or something like that. But for me, the main story was absolutely sufficient. <laughs> I like the story and I like the gameplay and how how it's presented. So it's actually quite nice. And it's amazing that I only got around to it recently, although this game is quite old already. So crazy. But I can recommend it. Is it comparable to Portal? Like Portal is comedic. It was planned to be a puzzle comedy. I don't think Tunnel's principle was. So it's supposed to be like this godlike narrator who is also talking slow and relaxed and thoughtful. And then you've got Serious Sam. He's like, ah, I don't care what you do. <laughs> I tried out all the different voices and I got stuck with it. So <laughs> it's not a choice if there's Serious Sam to select. Exactly. Have you guys played Tunnel's principle? No, didn't play it before. Maybe I want to check it at some time. Doing riddles all the time. I'm all, I often get. Very fast, very frustrated. <laughs> Maybe I'm just too dumb for it, or I just don't get the hang of it or so. But I'm just getting so much so frustrated. <laughs> I, I can relate, but I really, really like these puzzles and Talos Principle. Of course, they don't get difficult that fast, so they really introduce you slowly into the whole gameplay and what they want from you. And then it gets more and more difficult, but slower at a slow pace. So that's pretty cool. I tried it a few years back, but I really just played for half an hour for some reason. I think mainly because I did not see the serious Sam option. <laughs> <laughs> I tried it, but then I said, okay, I'll try it later. And I still haven't picked it up again, but maybe I will in the future. Yeah, I think the Sam part really is, um, as you say in German, das i-Tüpfelchen. Last one on the bucket list. Ben, you want to go again? So my last one, it's uh, Disco Elysium. Ah, nice, nice. I think you played it also, yes, yeah, sir? <laughs> yeah, I absolutely fell in love with it. 
Disco Elysium is from the developer Zaum, and they're from the UK. You know other games like Gothic, you're stranded on the beach and you don't know what happened before and so you just have some unknown memory loss and you don't know why and something and they have a really cool idea why you have a memory loss. Because you're waking up in a really trashed up motel room, you figure out you drank so hard, you partied so hard, you just lost your memory by drinking. Not just lost last night or just the party, you lost all of it. All of it. I think it's a really cool introduction into the game. Afterwards, you quickly discover you're a cop and you are in the motel for quite some days now and you were there to solve a murder case. You have to solve this murder case in your trashed up drunken hangover status. More or less, it's, it's some sort of a mix-up of a point-and-click adventure and a role-playing game. Because you run around like in a point-and-click adventure, you have points of interest you can interact with and you have to find solutions to open this trash can or so on or getting up this ladder or opening the store and you can interact with people and you can talk to them and so on but you also have a skill tree where you can advance in various ways you can sharpen your mind again you can uh, train your body you can get stronger you can get faster you can get more wits or get into a bit of a psychic abilities and so with these abilities you unlock you can do extra stuff so you can break open doors if you're getting stronger you may catch something which is falling down from somewhere with your better reaction and so or you're a bit psychic and you can foresee some some things this is influencing the way you're playing the game very heavily and also it influences how you can interact with people what answers you can give or what you can ask them there's many ways to play this game to get answers to get solutions to various problems or don't even see some parts because you choose this path of answering and doing stuff and you're unlocking some stuff and you have to find other ways to get to the solution just a slight warning it's only available in, in english language and they're using lots of exotic words there were some words where it was like well i've never heard that before but you do understand what they're trying to say. <laughs> uh, but sure, there are also some words I had to look up. Still, that didn't stop me from playing it. But I like it rather this way, especially when you say that the voice actors are really good than a really dumbed-down, badly, poorly translated version. And if you're top one. <laughs> My absolute top one, in no particular order. I just discovered it recently. The game is called Tiny Rogues. To best describe it, it's a mix of Vampire Survivors and Hades. From Vampire Survivors, it's more like the graphic style. You're the small pixel guy. You get thrown into a dungeon. In each room that you clear, you have a random selection of monsters that are shooting at you. After you clean up the room, you have the chance to get a reward. Similar to Hades, in each room you can choose between two doors and behind each door you already see a signal what the next reward will be in the room. It has a nice gameplay loop of upgrades, so you can discover either weapons, you have an inventory system, you have a level up system where you can buff your character with intelligence, strength and dexterity, so the basic three components that you have. And every 10 levels or so you get to choose a new trait that you can use to upgrade your character permanently. And the goal is to progress further down the dungeon lane, so there are, I think, 10 dungeons. Each dungeon is separated by a boss. Again, you have the typical things we talked about, so I'm not going to go too much into detail, like meta progression. You collect souls in each run, and you can see the small influences to Dark Souls also, because you can spend your souls on a bonfire to unlock some permanence. Somebody said Dark Souls? What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, you can dodge attacks, but it's more like a bullet hell game with items that you can find and upgrade. It's a nice blend, small game uh, from RubyDev is the developer. I'm not sure where they are from, but definitely check it out. It's also like Vampire Survivors, they're cheap for the amount of fun you get. But it's not turn-based. <laughs> it's action all the way. You can dodge, you have stamina, a little bit like Dark Souls, so you have dodge rolls that you can upgrade. Each weapon that you can find feels different. You can find armors or helmets and boots that all have different traits. You can unlock different classes of characters like berserkers or healers or rogues, which all have some unique traits that they can use. And it's a small, compact, nice thing of different things that I like. This more arcade feel, bullet hell, meta progression, and item collecting and upgrading. And also the art style. It's a really simple pixel style game. Not fancy and shiny, but really nice to look at. Simple, but sweet. Awesome. You happy with Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> you had me with a mixture of Vampire Survivors and Hades. So, <laughs> so if you haven't heard about the game, check it out. Tiny Rogues. I'll definitely check it out from your library. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, and what's your meowiest game of the year? Meow? Well, Stray, it's it's cats. So how can you not like this game? It's damn cute. And it's just this great story, which is told. And it's also a combination of you've got like this cute cat and you've got technology and robots and AI stuff. And I love both things. And I think think also some people they were amazed by this um, mixture so which was quite interesting you're this stray cat you're together with uh, all your cat friends or family it's raining but you don't care you just play around meow a bit and that's it for the first scene awesome start and um, yeah then some sad things happen uh, you fall into this hole and get separated by your cat friends and it's it's actually pretty sad but then you get up Rocky, and you discover this technologically advanced city, but it's also a slum. So it's quite dirty and seems like a ghost town, but you find some humanoid robots and first they're afraid of you because they don't know what you are. And then they realize, okay, you're actually quite nice and they welcome you and you also connect with them, be friends with them. They tell you that they aren't free, that they're held kind of prisoner in these slums. They don't know how to get out and they need your help. Before you help them, you can just run around the city and just hop up, hop down. Yeah, do some cat things, you know. And there's this guitar player. He just sits on the floor and plays some songs and he plays the songs you find. So there are some notes you can find in the city. And if you bring it to him, then he plays the song for you. When he does that, there are some pillows around him on the floor. And you can just you make yourself comfortable, just lie down and listen to his song. And the camera just slowly moves away and shows you this whole scene. And you can just enjoy this and relax. So there are some nice little scenes which you can really enjoy and dive into this whole setting and the scene. And I really like the art style. Sometimes you see that the cat is not polished enough. <laughs> Sometimes when you see the face, it's like, oh, maybe they could have done some more fine-tuning here. But it's okay. It's a cute cat. And later you also find this drone companion, which you also connect with and be friends with. And he helps you on your journey. And of course, as always, to get out of somewhere, you need to go higher up and find the exit right there. So yeah, that's your cat journey. And it's gameplay-wise also, again, it's not so much you do. 
There are some action scenes where you gotta run away and also fire some abilities which this drone companion has. Were there puzzles? I'm trying to think. Well, some light puzzles. And yeah, there's a button where you can meow. How cool is that? And you can press it as much as you like. <laughs> and, and that's my very first achievement. Uh, it says you meowed a hundred times. You got it after two minutes? <laughs> <laughs> I think so, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, that's the game I was really looking forward to. I was not disappointed. It's a great little game. And I'm really amazed how successful it was and still is. And it was even nominated as Game of the Year at the Game Award, but it didn't make it. Elden Ring won. Was close. <laughs> If you think that it was made by an indie studio, so relatively large indie studio, but still, and that were contender with Elden Ring for Game of the Year, this is really amazing. Yes, so they can really be proud of themselves and they really did something amazing. The developers are uh, Blue 12 Studios from France. Pretty cool guys. I think they also have a lot of cats in their team, which also have helped. Just for sign. Yes. <laughs> they were the playtesters, I think. So. <laughs> can write them off as business expense. That's our list for 2022. We make another small round, the one game we really look forward to in 2023. And you guys... Well, then you have to play yours, <laughs> and if you have to like yours. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, can't promise that, because mine is again shot in the dark. I've only seen the trailer so far, but I hope for the best. But Ben, why don't you start? So I will end as easy as I started, because I didn't play Darkest Dungeon 2. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's for next year, too. <laughs> Your pick for 2023. My pick for 2023, again, as I mentioned before, again, I only got a really nice looking trailer, really atmospheric one. The game is called Replaced, and the studio that is developing it is called Sad Cat Studios. Oh, why not Happy Cat? The game was planned for 2022. The studio was located in Belarus. As we all know, the situation right now is really shitty over there. And they had to relocate because part of the studios were also in Ukraine. So they had to shift things around because all of the shit that happened was still happening there. And they now delayed it to 2023. The trailers that they released, they are still working hard on it. They relocated, as I mentioned before, I think to Poland. And they are still hard at work to finish the game. And it's described as a 2.5D sci-fi retro futuristic action platformer with really interesting combat system and they call it free flow action combat it's set in an alternative 1980s but there's not too much that you can say so far but if you check out the trailer of the game it really looks kind of cyberpunky retro futuristic with a lot of atmosphere and when the music kicks in it's really nice to see and i'm really looking forward to try out this game and hopefully find something that covers all of the bases that i like so stylish visuals and good story and fast-paced gameplay and so far judging from the trailer i've seen it covers those bases and hopefully it will not disappoint so replaced by sad cat studios is my pick for 2023 cyberpunky alternative 80s world at least it's uh, promising good music mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah hopefully yeah. <laughs> we'll find out sarah what's your 2023 pick I really like story games. And uh, when we were at Gamescom, we talked to Timessis Studio from Italy. We also did a podcast, a short one, Gamescom episode with them. It was episode uh, 23.13. And they presented their game Universe for Sale to us. It's like the sci-fi narrative game. And it's a really creative, really special art style. 
also the story is I don't want to sound negative, but it's weird. Weird in a positive way. <laughs> so you're kind of interested where this is going. It's set on a planet, Jupiter, and you follow this mysterious cultist on this planet. He meets a vendor in a bar, and this vendor explains to the cultist that she has the ability to create universes. And you're like, okay, what? <laughs> How can you sell universes? I played the prologue already. I think it's still available on Steam. And uh, you get to this point where you talk to her in this bar. You don't really find out a lot, but it's kind of captured my interest because I was like, okay, I'm curious where this is going. It's supposed to be cryptic. It should motivate you to explore this world and just to find out who these people are and also, this planet is kind of weird. It looks kind of demolished. Also, this in this prologue, there's like thunder and lightning going on. Everything is reddish and it doesn't look as comfortable. And you're just in the settlement and trying to buy some universes, whatever the hell that means. I think this might be a good game. I don't know. But I am definitely going to check it out when it comes out. It's supposed to be hopefully being released 2023. So Universe for Sale, that's the name. And I'm definitely going to check it out. Sounds, sounds quite mysterious, selling universes and so on. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, but it's interesting. So let's see. We'll find out 2023. Hopefully. hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> they did not have a release date yet, I think. Maybe not officially. When looking back at the Gamescom episode that we did, we talked to so many devs and most of them set their games to 2023. And there will be a lot to cover, a lot to talk about, a lot to play. Keep playing. Just enjoy your time. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.